Welcome to another episode of In My Own Words. Every speaker has a story to tell and something to share. How they got started, why they chose a specific niche, and the lessons they've learned along the way. Join me, Charles Shreen, as I interview professional members about their personal journey in the professional speaking world and how PSASA played a part in their career growth. Uh, I'd always been in the tech space as hobbies. So, I mean, I used to play games and my, my cousins worked on PCs all the time. They were a bit older than me. And through my cousins being involved in, in the stuff from about the age of five, six, I was learning how to work on computers. And then it, it sort of snowballed from there through primary school, through high school. And eventually in, when I was 16 in, in high school, I was running my own little computer repair business. I, I had a motorcycle so I could get around and I would fix all the computer companies or all the smaller doctor's rooms and things like that around the area. I would go and fix their computers for them. Today, we have Ross Saunders. Ross is a privacy and cybersecurity expert, and we will get to why he chose that niche. It's a very, very personal story. And Ross is also the um, previous PSA is a national president from April 2019 until March this year. And on top of that, he's also part of CAPS, which is the Canadian version of PSA, I suppose. Is that correct, Ross? That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. Welcome to the show. So, Ross. Oh, pleasure is mine. Look, um, we, we've, uh, you've been on my previous podcast and you're one of my favorite guests because you are just so chill. But then again, a man with a ponytail <laughs> cannot be aggressive, can they? <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's what keeps me grounded. <laughs> exactly. Look, you know what? Look, something that's, that, that I've been meaning to ask you because your hair is, what, almost at waist side now? Uh, just below. I managed to get it caught in my belt the other day when I stood up, which was not a pleasant experience. <laughs> <laughs> and tell me, I mean, when was the last time you actually had like normal length hair? How many years ago are we talking about? The last time I had short hair that was not tie-upable was yeah. probably when I was about 21. Um, wow. I think that's the last time I had short hair. Sure. I've gone right. shoulder length since, but... Um, no, no, I'm, I've decided to grow. All right. Look, man, I've, been, I've always wanted to ask you that question one night. No. But listen, Ross, I, I want to find out something from me. I mean, you are a privacy and cybersecurity expert, and I, I can see on LinkedIn that uh, you've been rather busy uh, the past uh, few months doing COVID, which is understandable. Um, but you got into this industry or this sector for a very, very specific reason. Can you just tell us what happened? Yeah. So, I mean, I think I'd always had an interest in privacy and cybersecurity and it, it had been a sideline part of my work within the corporate space. I was in the software engineering space, but then back in 2013, uh, my identity was stolen due to information that was uh, accidentally thrown away from a company. So information of mine that went out into the world. Someone captured that information and built up basically a, a profile of me and went out and got credits at all sorts of places. So I went from uh, just receiving SMSs in the morning to realizing that I've bought tablet PCs, I've bought phones, I've bought lounge suites, I've bought garden furniture, all of this while I never left the comfort of my home and someone else was doing it. So yeah, that, that, the, the years that it took to fix that 
pretty much inspired me to go into the privacy and cybersecurity space. It became quite a passion after that because I, I really didn't want anyone else to have to go through that kind of experience because it really, it can wreck your life. Mm. I, I remember you, when you were chatting to me, you said you woke up one Saturday morning and then it was just beep, 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 debit order, debit order. I mean, when did it actually click for you? Like, wait a minute, something's wrong. Yeah, well, I, I initially thought it was a problem with the bank's messaging system because at the time there was a problem. Because <laughs> there were so the, many. I, I'd received some accidental messages. Yeah. So I kind of put it down to that. And it, I mean, Saturday morning, mid-December, you know, everyone's crazy anyway. So it's probably just a fluke. But I think it was after the third or fourth SMS, I decided, let me go check my internet banking. Uh, and that's when I noticed that all of these SMSs were legit and it was actually money coming off my account. Well, well, the positive side, Ross, is you at least have money for them to take. So, not, not that much. <laughs> you must bear in mind that they put in a lot of small amounts, so they they get what they can. And and it was uh, also that mid-December time. So salaries had come through slightly earlier for mm -hmm. for December mm -hmm. or for January at least. Mm. So it it was a perfect storm in having money in my account to be taken but then having to fight to get that money back before my debit orders went off the next time. Mm. So you, you, that, so that was basically like the crossroads. So, did, I mean, growing up, did you always wanted to, were you always into like the compute computer lab and doing softwares and programming? Was that what you wanted to do growing up? Yeah. I, you know, the, the first thing I think I wanted to be when I grew up that I can remember was probably a chiropractor, oh, wow. but I'd okay. always, <laughs> uh, I'd always been in the, tech space as hobbies so i mean i used to play games and my my cousins worked on pcs all the time they're a bit older than me and through my cousins being involved in in the stuff from about the age of five six i was learning how to work on computers and then it, it sort of snowballed from there through primary school through high school and eventually and when i was 16 in, in high school i was running my own little computer repair business uh, i had a motorcycle so i could get around and I would fix all the computer companies or all the smaller doctor's rooms and things like that around the area. I would go and fix their computers for them and, and what have you as oh, hold on, hold a little on. bit you of extra cash after school. You were 16. Yes. Are you telling me these grown-up men trusted a 16-year-old? Well, you've got to build the relationship first. You can't just waltz in there. Um, but I mean, a lot of it was I, I started fixing the computers at my GP's office and then um, at sort of family businesses around the area that knew my family and things like that. So it started there, but then word of mouth starts going around. And I mean, after school, I, I went straight into that for a while too. Hmm. You know, word of mouth over and over again is the most powerful and most uh, effective marketing tool. Do, do you still Absolutely. believe that is the, that is, that is the case today? I think so. I think so. Um, I mean, if I have to look at it, the, the work that I've done in the, the last six months, I haven't been, running marketing campaigns i've just been working on word of mouth and i like you said my business is going well even during mm. COVID. Mm. so so let's let's chat about that a, a bit about the doing the COVID. so when did the business like all of a sudden spike was it from april or like from march already so it, it it's an interesting thing and it's it, it's been a realization of a statement and almost almost cliched statement that i've heard before where um sort of prosperity is where um opportunity and preparation meet mm -hmm. so or luck is where opportunity and preparation meet um 
I've been working in privacy for a long time, prepping for our privacy laws that were coming in in South Africa. And in the beginning of lockdown, business did slow down quite a bit, but I had the that luck, which was the opportunity and, and the preparation where Poppy was signed into law in the 1st of July. Mm. So I was prepared enough to, to be able to run with that. And that's, that's been a fantastic growth spurt because now everything was in place already. Sure. Yeah. You, you, you have to, I mean, no, you're right. I mean, if you just started dabbling in this industry, there's no way it would have, have taken off. You would have had you, you needed to put in your 10,000 hours. You needed the, the track record. You needed to have the right, uh, right contact for people to even refer you, right? So it's all it's like the overnight success yeah. was 10 years in the making. I've seen this over and over again. And here we go, case in point. For sure. Mm. And, and, and also diversification. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't have only one line of business because I, I can tell you now, like a lot of speakers, my speaking business stood still the second lockdown happened evaporated right overnight literally evaporated. yeah but thankfully i still had consulting that that balanced it out a bit i think so when when people reach out to you how does the conversation start do they say okay popular is is a is a has been signed off now so please come in how does that how, how does the conversation go uh generally it, it goes one of two ways where someone might come in with a curiosity side where they come in and say, okay, well, we need to know a bit about this poppy thing. What is poppy? How do we put it in? Mm-hmm. And that's where the training side of my business comes in and the speaking side, because then I will go and speak to the staff, speak to the execs and do presentations to company wide, things like that to teach them what poppy is and teach all the staff what poppy is. Mm-hmm. The other side of the conversation is I'll also have folks coming in to me and saying, well, we need you to fix this now. Uh, how much is it? which doesn't really work with Poppy because every business is different and you yeah. need to put in a lot of work with Poppy, not, yeah. not someone else from the outside. Uh, but I come in and then the conversation moves to more a guidance, like let's do some training, let's do some consulting, let me advise you, let's put together a plan for the next year and so on. Okay. And then do you see that uh, when it comes to training and consulting that it's kind of like if you, you can have the best trainer, I'm talking about, let's say, a personal trainer at the gym. So let's say okay, you need to be in shape and uh, you hire the best trainer. But the most important thing is you, as a, as a client, you still need to show up. You still need to put in the hard work. You, um, you as Ross can give the most amazing training, but if they don't do something and they're not committed, will they still see results? Yeah, well, that, that, that's the thing. It's, it's a two-way street. So mm-hmm. I have to show up as the trainer because yeah. I need to, I mean, Puppy and data privacy law is not exactly the most exciting thing in the world. It is Mm. to me, but not generally to the audience. Mm. So, I mean, it's my job as the speaker to make that privacy and potentially dry topic of law to be exciting and fascinating, um, which seems to happen. But it's also the other side of the party needs to come in and say, well, we are going to do what the training said. And you know, there's ways of doing that as well. My, my training doesn't just end the day that I say, thank you very much. And I step off the virtual stage. Mm. The training carries on in that I will contact them a week later. How's it going? What have you battled with? What's, what needs to be put in? Do you need help? Um, and then checking in six months down the line to some client saying, well, let's do a refresher quickly. Mm. And that, that works. because it's, it's a cultural thing as well. You want to, you want to instill that change in culture. You don't just want to breeze in and out and, and hit and run. Yeah, you don't want to do hit and run and say thank you very much and then and then that's it. Because otherwise, yeah. you know, like now, what do you feel like is the 
do you, do you, do you feel like people have enough um, understanding after so many months? Because I mean, there's been breaches on on Zoom. There's been, I mean, we've seen like uh, Zooms have been hacked before. It was in the news big time. Uh, do you think that helped with 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 your business? Like people all of a sudden are more scared because they have um, to do virtual meetings now. It it did. Um, so so there's the fear and there's the hope. Uh, and you know, fear you can trade on for so long. Uh, but I think hope has worked better for me and that I, I will help you fix this. But, you know, I think a lot of what you see though as well is it is these big names out there. It's Experian. Oh, Experian got breached. And then people mm. with small businesses go, well, we're not going to be targeted because it's the big guys that get targeted. Mm. And actually that that's kind of the exception really is that the big guys are getting targeted because often the big guys have the budget to protect themselves. It's the small guys that end up with breaches and, and small businesses when things like puppy are in place and fines start coming into play and administration um, costs start coming in. Small businesses won't survive this if they don't have the protections in place. And speaking I of which, forget. So speaking of which, you said that it's, it's the small business that are, that are more, more vulnerable because the, the big companies have the budget. So here's my question. How come that is not making the news? How come the, the, the fact that the small business are, are, are actually more vulnerable is not making the headlines? Um, I wish I could say it. It's, it's, the thing is, the big companies, I think it's, it's a case of what leads leads. Um, there's, it, it's these big, massive breaches, uh, and it's exciting because it affects 24 million people. Mm. Whereas a small business, maybe they lose the detail of 100 of their own clients their clients will know about it, they will know about it, but it doesn't necessarily make it into the media. Mm. And it's not exciting hearing that a hundred small companies details went out. And I think that's where I'm trying to come in with the speaking and a lot of my webinars that I do and the workshops that I do. And when I do do marketing on LinkedIn, uh, I'm really pushing that fact that this affects you down on an individual level, Never mind small business. It's, a, mm. it's from individual right the way up. Privacy is in the constitution and that affects everyone. Okay. I mean, what, which part of your business do you enjoy the most? I mean, like you, you mentioned the training, the speaking, um, the consulting, which, which part do you enjoy the most and why? That's very hard to say. I, I, I pretty much love all the parts of my business for different reasons. And that, that's why I love having my business. Uh, and I, I'm doing the things I love, which is great, but I, I enjoy the training side for actually being in front of people and I've, I've had some in-person stuff again, which has been great. Uh, and I enjoy that interaction and the questions and answers and getting the nice thinking in place there and changing a culture. But by the same token, I love the consulting side of things as well. Cause then I get to exercise my research side and looking into case law and looking into textbooks and things like that. And it's, it's a lot of fun engaging the brain and you engage the brain in different ways in both of them. And I, I love both of the sides of it. Mm, okay. Um, all right. So I want to chat to you a little bit about your experience at uh, PSA. Um, so you, why did you join in the beginning? How did you hear about it? Did somebody tell you about it? Did you see an ad or how did it happen? Uh, again, word of mouth. Uh, at the time, I was busy completing my master's degree. Mm -hmm. And a couple of the folks in the same uh, cohort as me were members of the PSA and that they were speakers, uh, Sharon King being one of them. Okay. Uh, and Sharon was the, the first introduction that I had into the PSASA. And 
I was still in corporate, but I knew from the university and, and doing some guest lecturing for BCom students and things like that, that I really enjoyed lecturing and standing up and speaking. And I'd done it in school. I started speaking in SA Guild when I was in standard eight, grade 10. Let me, let me yeah, move on. Bigger, yeah. mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and then it, it sort of reignited when I was in the university doing my master's and that I spoke when I was younger and I, I wanted to do this again, but I, I didn't want to do a, a Toastmasters. I wanted to work on the business of speaking. Mm -hmm. And then I was introduced to the PSASA by, by a number of people along the way, but um, Sherry, Sharon and Larry, uh, two of the, the folks that got me in into PSA, really brought me in and brought me as a guest to meetings and, and things like that and started coming to the meetings and I, I was a guest probably for about two to three years i was a, a, a late really actually joining two to yeah. three years as a guest i think i think that's <laughs> yeah. a record eh? <laughs> yeah I, I think i probably spent more in in guest membership exactly i was just gonna say than i did in membership <laughs> yeah you could have you could have paid like six years membership fees i think by now just by paying yeah, guest yeah. fees there now i want to ask you because you mentioned something quite interesting the the because you mentioned that PSA because I know people want to know because I've, I've had people ask me this before like what is the difference between PSA versus Toastmasters would you say one of the major distinction is in PSA they are actually talking about the business side whereas Toastmasters are more, more focused on the tech speaking technique but they're not really teaching you how to build a business per se yeah I think there's overlap in both and I think they are complementary groups and associations um, and organizations in that you're right and in toastmasters there is a lot of the how to speak and how to structure things and, and all of that and that's phenomenal mm -hmm. and then you've got psa which um, has a touch of that but then focuses on the business side and you can get to a degree um, the information from both in those spaces but the specialization i suppose or the focus changes between the two so I, I very much see PSASA as, as more of the business of speaking and, and being a professional, making a profession out of speaking is, is where the PSASA comes in. Okay. And something that I've experienced uh, during COVID is, uh, I don't know if, if you felt the same, is um, because everything is virtual, we actually have access to the Joburg chapter, Pretoria chapter, Durban chapter, all over. We don't have to physically drive there. We don't have to physically fly there. And because of that, we're able to learn a lot more. Mm -hmm. I mean, did you, did, you, did you also see that happening? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, when I got involved, it was quite interesting as well because I was working still full-time in Johannesburg mm -hmm. um, about three kilometers from where the meetings were. And I lived in Pretoria or Centurion about two kilometers from where the meetings were. So I would do a Wednesday and Thursday and, and do a double barrel meeting of Joburg and Pretoria for ages. Mm. Um, but virtual made that so much easier. And, and the fact now that it's easy to attend the Cape chapter meetings and the KZN meetings and yeah. the virtual meetings, it's just, mm. it's great. Okay. Now, I mean, after you being, first of all, you've been to so many different um, meetings and members and chapters by now, I want to ask you, what was the best, oh, sorry, let's start off. What was the worst advice? you ever received from a PSA member and you don't have to mention names unless you want to, but what was the worst <laughs> advice you've ever received? Hmm. 
That's an interesting question. I, I wouldn't be expected to ask what was the worst. Let me think. I think possibly, you know, and this is not a single piece of advice that's been given. And it's a lot of people will tell you how they believe you should run your speaking business. According to them. But ultimately, you need to come up with your unique formula yeah. that works for you. Yeah. Okay. I think that's it. And, and perhaps, you know, many, many years ago, I think someone said to me that you had to keynote. What does um, that mean? What do you mean you had to keynote? You had to go and do these 45 minutes up on the main stage, closing the conference with this big speech kind of thing. As opposed to? As opposed to something like a training or facilitation and all of that. And, mm. you know, that and it's interesting because that that advice was not given by a particularly successful person and ouch i've learned through the the, the psisa that and this is where it comes in you you meet the people there and you meet the people that are really successful and then you get the best advice that comes from them mm. and where it is like no you don't have to be a keynoter mm. a facilitator it takes so much work as well it's it's an incredibly difficult space to facilitate well because you have to plan you have to be able to go on for hours which is much Energy more difficult than focus. i think 45 minutes yeah yeah absolutely um, yeah. and you've got to forge your own path and your own way and your niche and things like that and that doesn't come overnight mm. and and conversely what would you say is the best advice you've ever received from a psa member or as a whole hmm the best it is so hard to pick the best advice that I've received. And I think if I had to put it down, it must be the advice that I was given to go and attend the conferences. So that's part of the reason that my CAPS membership is there as well as a South African. I, I traveled to Canada quite a bit and I've made it my business now to attend the CAPS conventions for the CAPS Association. I've made it my business to attend the PSASA conferences as soon as I can, as best I can, uh, if work allows me to, because the value that you gain from those conventions, it's like, it's like drinking water from a fire hose and mm. the business value that you can get from that is, is astronomical. So to the folks that told me you have to go to the conventions, you have to go to the conferences. That was probably the best advice I've received. Awesome. Now, now Ross to, to, to conclude our last question. So, if you can have okay so imagine you did have to broadcast some kind of message even though you didn't have to spend that much money on, on advertising which is great but let's say if you get a gigantic somebody says to you, you know what ross i am going to sponsor you for a month a gigantic billboard on the highway and you can have any message on it what would you want it to say <laughs> um you know, I, I'd, I'd want to be greedy and go on a business sense and, and advertise my business on a billboard. That would be really cool. But It's I your think, billboard. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> but I think one of the things that's coming more and more to me as my business grows and as I'm meeting with other people and, and um, seeing other people's businesses grow and, and things like that, it's, it's becoming more passionate of mine. Is, is, and I think it's important in terms of the situation we're in now and with COVID and with people battling and, and things like that. And it's gonna sound so cliched, but if there was a giant billboard somewhere that just could say, keep up with it, mm. um, 
what you're doing, what you're trying to get done. If you've got a dream or something, keep up with it. That's probably what I'd put up because I think people need to hear that now. And then the stuff doesn't happen overnight where you, you, you grow a business, you grow the economy, things like that, but you won't grow it if you don't keep it up. Absolutely. And uh, Ross, if somebody is very, very excited about the podcast and they're like, you know what, we need to get hold of you, perhaps do some training, Q&A, and do a keynote, where is the best place to get hold of you, Ross? Best places for me is either on my website or on LinkedIn. So my website is www.rossgsaunders.com. And on LinkedIn, you can find me, Ross Saunders, um, LinkedIn forward slash in forward slash RG Saunders is me. <laughs> awesome. Ross, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. It's been great. Thanks for having me.